0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Howdy, neighbor. Howdy, neighbor. <laughs> this, is the, this is the closest I got to a cardigan this week. Someone in the front just said, where's your cardigan? This is my own personal Mr. Rogers flavor. So uh, we do what we can do with what we've been given. It basically is where we're going to go with that. Well, I'm so glad that you chose to be here today to worship God, to celebrate uh, who He is and what He's doing. For some of you, I'm so glad you came here today just to check out God. Because someone invited you to come and you said, you know what, I'm open There's something more out there, something beyond what I can uh, taste, see, touch, smell here. I know that there is a spiritual reality that maybe my life has been missing, and so I am so glad that you came, uh, because that thing that you're looking for is not a thing. It's a creator. It is God, and God revealed himself in a person, Jesus. And so we're going to talk about him. We're going to experience him this morning. When you came in, you should have gotten a program that looks just like this inside of it, or a few things I want to highlight Your Start Here card, go ahead and pull that out right now and just put your name and email address on it. If you're a regular part of New Life, uh, this is just our way to connect with you, our way for you to connect with God, our way for you to connect with the church. So if you're part of New Life, your name, your email address would be great so we can connect with you. If you're new, would you give us as much information as you're comfortable giving us? That'd be fantastic uh, because we just want to thank you for being here. We want to connect with you, and if you have questions, Uh, The only way that we can answer them is if we can touch base with you. So make sure you do that. Um, So fill that out. And actually, if you're new and you would fill that out and drop it in the basket a little bit later, uh, we have a special gift for you out at our Connect kiosk. So make sure you stop by and you can grab that on your way out. The other thing I want to highlight are our uh, teaching notes for today. Uh, That will give you the scriptures that we're going to be talking about. It will uh, give you the fill in the blanks so that you can take this stuff home so you can look at it so it doesn't just become a flash in the pan so you don't just um, hear it and then forget about it, but that actually something that you hear today would transform your life because you put it into practice. So go ahead and pull out those notes and you can be uh, filling those out. If we have not met yet, I'm Kevin. I'm one of the pastors. I get to uh, share a few thoughts on God this morning with you, with our community, And uh, we're just going to see where he's going to take us. We are talking about uh, encountering others, whether it is at work, in our schools, in the places that we live, and turning those people into neighbors. That's why we titled this series, Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I love that quote. Mr. Rogers says, Imagine what our real neighborhoods would look like if each of us offered, as a matter of course, just one kind word to another person. One kind word has a wonderful way of turning into many and I just think that's great. And something about uh, what he says to us as children really captures the essence of where we're going. We want to put ourselves out there. We want to be the kind of people who would say, would you be my, you know, could you be my, won't you Won't you be my neighbor? Could we have some relationship? Could we connect with each other? Could we, uh, could we rub shoulders in such a way that uh, I get to know you, you get to know me. Ultimately, what we're looking to do is uh, form real deep friendships in a way that would help people experience true life. And we have found uh, through, uh, through God that true life is found in Him and with Him in a relationship with Him. And so last week, we talked about the reality that by simply being the person that God called you to be, you are flavoring the people you rub shoulders with. You're flavoring your neighborhood's. Um, And the truth is that God says when we are that kind of person, we will flavor our neighborhoods. And so we talked about what that looks like. Well, it looks like being in an intimate relationship with God, being personally connected to him, getting into our word and knowing what it means to live life with him and praying and talking to God and hearing from him. Um, It means things like doing what he tells us to do and not just uh, pondering what he tells us to do and thinking about it, but actually doing it, loving like Jesus loved Serving like Jesus served, living like Jesus lived. And when we do that, Jesus promised us that we will flavor our neighborhoods. We will actually help them taste the flavor of Jesus in their lives. He said it this way in Matthew 13. Uh, We looked at this last week. He says, you are the salt of the earth. So you and I have this incredible opportunity that as we follow Jesus to help people that we rub shoulders with actually taste the flavor of God, taste the love of God, have this tangible experience, even if they can't put words to it, it's this experience where they know that there is something more there. By the way that you and the way that I interact with people, that they would be curious. They'd taste it and they'd say, what is that that I'm tasting when I interact with you? And you could say, It's God, because God has changed my life, and He wants to uh, change and transform your life. And I was overwhelmed by the positive response that I heard last week. As you guys were leaving, and then people emailed me this week, you said, I want to be that kind of person. I want to be a person that flavors my neighborhood, that flavors my community, that the people I rub shoulders with, uh, they would taste Jesus because Jesus says, I already am that kind of person, so I want to to own it, to embrace it, to be that kind of man, to be that kind of woman uh, in every area of my life. And so last week we talked about flavor, and this week we're going to turn gears, we're going to change gears, and we're going to talk about walls a little bit. So we did taste last week, we're doing touch this week, we're going to talk about walls a little bit because walls are really good things. There are some great benefits to walls. Uh, without walls, we would all be crushed by the roof, and so we're glad we have these walls in this building, right? Walls keep the roof up. Um, walls keep the right things in. If you have a toddler, if you have ever had children who like to wander, you know the walls are really good. My one-year-old is just about uh, to start walking, and so I'm so glad we have walls right? We even put up little mini walls, little subdivisions, gates to keep him in the right area because he wants to get into everything these days. And so walls are really good. They keep the right things in, and walls help us feel safe, don't they? Now, don't you go home at night, and if you're ever by yourself—my wife is, is in Chicago right now visiting some family, and so it's just Maddie and I, my daughter and I, home alone. And last night when I locked the door, there's a sense of safety there, right? When you lock the door, those walls are keeping you safe. Have you ever had those Those nights where you watched a scary movie, and you went up, and you got into bed, and what did you do? You put your back to the wall, and you faced the door, because you know the monsters can't get in behind you, right? They can only come through the door, and so that wall makes me feel safe. Walls have really good benefits, but when it comes to forming neighborhoods, walls have an unwanted effect. Because not only do walls keep the right things in, but when it comes to building neighborhoods, walls actually keep the right things out. And so uh, God wants us to bring the right things in in and not keep the right things out. I learned that walls kept things out when I was a young child because I had dreams of being a commando, you know, an army, an army man. And so I put on my fatigues with my twin brother at like seven or eight years old. And I thought the walls that my neighbors had in their yards were just a great obstacle course, right? They were really good for me to climb over and walk through their flowers and their bushes. And uh, I think we would call it being a peeping Tom if you were an adult. but As a child, you're just playing commando. So, you know, there's nothing bad. We would just like spy on people. That's what we would do. That's what what little kids did, right? You crawled over walls. And I thought, I'm really good at being a commando. This is my calling. I got a good feeling. Until my neighbor who was in her mid-70s, Mary, who couldn't see very well, and she couldn't hear very well, but uh, she caught me in her backyard. And she said, Kevin and Todd Finkbeiner, you get out of my backyard right now, or I will call your mom. And so we walked out. And sorry, Mary, you know, walked by. I realized two things in that moment. One— Her wall was meant to keep me out. It was not an invitation to jump over. And two, I would never make a good commando. Those were my two big lessons at that point. But the truth is, uh, we all have walls in our lives. And they can be good. They can protect us. They can keep the right things in. But they can also be very, very destructive and very much against the things of God because they keep the right things out. Too often. And most of our walls are intangible. Some are physical. We build walls around our houses. We build walls uh, to keep things in. But most of them are walls in our hearts. A lot of walls are walls in our heads. They're walls like the fear of the unknown. I don't know what will happen if I put myself into this situation or out with this person. I don't know what's going to happen. And that fear of the unknown makes me build a wall up because I'm scared of the unknown. Or maybe you have a wall and it is fear of the known. I know what will happen if I invite that person into my life or if I do those things, and I don't really want that, and so I build walls around myself because they help me to feel safe. They help me to feel protected. Some of our internal walls are things like prejudice, Uh, and it could be anything from age. You know, I I don't know. I don't want my kids hanging out with those types of kids, and so I build up walls to protect my kids, you know. I was those types of kids, and those types of kids turn out okay every once in a while, um, or maybe it's prejudice about a, 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 a race, or a class, or gender, you know, we build up these walls around us. Maybe it's, uh, it's image. Maybe image is a wall for you, you know. I don't know what those people will think of me if I let them in, and so I keep them at arm's distance, because I don't want them to think certain things about me if they get to know the real me. But here's where we're going this morning. God is in the business of building up neighborhoods by tearing down or dismantling our walls. He wants to build up neighborhoods. He wants to tear down walls. And we get it wrong sometimes. We think by building up walls, we're building up neighborhoods. But the truth is, God wants to tear down walls so that he can build up neighborhoods. And Acts chapter 10 gives us a great illustration of God tearing down some walls so that he can build up some relationships. And Acts 10 starts out in the very beginning with a Roman soldier named Cornelius. And Cornelius is in charge of somewhere between 80 to 100 other soldiers. So he's a high-ranking military official. And uh, the Bible says he is a God-fearer, which means that he believed in a God. And he believed that the God of the Old Testament probably was the God. He didn't know for sure. There were a lot of gods that people believed in. But he thought, this is probably the right God. He was friendly towards the Jewish community, so he he was kind to them. Uh, Today, it's someone who would say, uh, you know, I believe that there's a God. I'm very spiritual. I'm a spiritual person, and I believe there's a God, and it might even be your God. Uh, They might be someone who comes to church on Christmas and Easter. They're a Keister Christian, you know. They come to church a couple times a year, have a good time, maybe even pray when things aren't going so well, but ultimately... They're not intimately connected with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is Cornelius. So he's a God-fearer, but he's not intimately connected with Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And uh, Cornelius has a vision, and that's where we pick up the story in Acts 10, verse 3. One day, it was about three in the afternoon, and Cornelius has this vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear, and that's a very common response if you were to see an angel of God appear before you. He has fear, and he says, what is it? What is it, Lord? And the angel answered him, your prayers and your gifts to the poor, they've come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa, a town that's about 30 miles away, and bring back Simon, who is called Peter. Peter. And we're in this series that's all about tearing down walls, flavoring our community, loving like Jesus loved, living like Jesus lived so that other people would taste the flavor of Jesus in our lives. And I know that there were probably a lot of you who last week loved it when I said, by just being the kind of person God wants you to be, other people will experience him. And you thought, thank goodness, he's not going to tell me I have to talk to people about Jesus Praise the Lord and hallelujah. I like this pastor. You know, he's a good guy. uh, I am a good guy. Thanks for thinking that of me. And you like the idea of loving people. Who doesn't like the idea of loving people? You like the idea of serving people. We live in Petaluma. Petaluma is all about serving people. We like those things. But here's what, what you might be thinking. If Kevin says, I need to talk to someone about Jesus, I'm out. Right, I might even walk out right now. And if you do, we will all stare at you, so don't do it. <laughs> no, I, I, I would. And what happens when we think that? Well, here's what happens in our hearts and in our minds. Walls, walls go up. There's no, there's no way I would never do that. And, and we wouldn't do it for a couple of reasons. One, we don't know how people will respond. Fear of the unknown is an incredible wall. We're scared to even invite people to our house or to have a play date with our kids because what if our kids aren't as smart as their kids or well-behaved as their kids? What are they going to think of me? We're terrified to invite people over to our house or to form friendships with people we don't know, let alone invite them to come to church. We're sure if we invite them to come to church, here's what's going to happen. They are going to reject us, and they're probably going to punch us in the mouth. At least, I mean, that's, that's the level of fear we have, many of us, about inviting people to church. They will probably punch me right in the mouth, and I like my teeth. Thank you very much. And so we build up walls because we don't know what's going to happen, or we build up walls because we think we have to make something out of nothing. We think that God is not doing anything in people's lives, and so we have to manufacture something. We have to make something happen, because God clearly is not at work in their life. So I have to introduce them to something new that they don't already know. But here's the truth. God is at work in the lives of people around us long before we begin to form relationships with them. He is already working in people's lives. I heard a story uh, from some people in the church in December, and this story was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, a, g- a couple of families came to me in December, and it was this couple's first time at church, and they said, Kevin, we have to tell you our story. Last week, uh, I thought that I might have cancer, I was very scared about this, and so um, I, I was having this really, like, this internal struggle. I was going to the doctor the next day. He was going to do some tests and give me some results, and this person had not been to, ch- to church at New Life ever and had not been to church in a long time. He said, I got down on my knees that night, and I said, okay, God, I surrender. I don't know what else to do. I am terrified. I surrender. So that was this family. Now, there's another family who does come to New Life, and Um, they were going to a doctor's appointment the next day as well, the husband and wife, and it was a routine thing. And the wife told me, she said, you know what, I got this nudge or this urge from God to take my Bible with me so that I could do my New Testament challenge reading. We were going through the New Testament together, take my Bible with me. And she said, Kevin, I never read my Bible in public. I just don't do it. It like freaks me out. Uh, But I did, I decided to take my Bible with me. So she got to the doctor's office and she opened up her Bible and started reading and the other couple comes into the doctor's office. The wife has been crying. The husband is clearly shaken up. The wife sits down next to this person from New Life, and they start to talk to each other. And the woman from New Life says, hey, I'm praying for you. Uh, I just want you to know that. And she starts to comfort her a little bit. And then the husband sits down, and, and this girl from New Life starts reading her Bible again. Well, the husband says, hey, what are you reading? Well, it's my Bible. Oh, where do you go to church? Because he has just had this encounter with God the night before where he said, God, I'm, I'm here. I surrender, okay? Uh, the white flag has gone up. Whatever you want to do, I'm ready. She said, I go to New Life. And he said, I wanna, can I come to your church? Can I check it out? And she said, sure. So they talked some more. And, and he decided he was going to come. She gave her email address. He, they decided they were going to come to church. Well, a few days later, the same couple who's had this experience over here with God, they're at the grocery store, and they meet another woman who happens to be a teacher, and they start talking school, And they found out that this other woman goes to New Life, too. Through random situations, uh, this woman says, yeah, I go to this church. And she's like, oh, what church? I go to New Life. And this couple begins to connect the dots. Wait a minute. They went to New Life. You go to New Life. I want to find a church. It's all starting to come together. See, God had been working in their lives, and they showed up, and their lives had never been the same because they encountered God. But we think... We have to manufacture something. We have to make something out of nothing when the reality is God is already working in the lives of your coworkers. He's already working in the lives of your neighbors, working in the lives of your teachers. And he just wants us to partner with him in doing what he's already doing. See, when God talks to Cornelius in this vision, 30 miles away, God is about to talk to a guy named Peter and break down some major walls so that Peter and Cornelius can meet up and Peter can tell cornelius about jesus let's pick up the story in verse nine about noon the following day as they were on their journey and approaching the city peter went up on the roof to pray and he did that because inside of the houses those days it would get really stuffy and hot in the middle of the day and the flat roofs had a shade over them and so he went up to the roof to pray to cool off a little bit to be in the shade and he became hungry and he wanted something to eat And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He had a vision. In verse 11, he saw heaven opened up. And something like a large sheet was being let down to the earth by its four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. And then Peter heard a voice. And the voice told him, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. And Peter is starving right now. But he says, surely not, Lord. Let's just let's just pause there for a second. Because anytime we're reading our Bible and God tells someone to do something and they say no way, we should be asking why. Why are you saying no to God? Because you know what? I don't want to make that mistake. So so Peter knows that God is talking to him and he says, No. God, I realize that you are nudging me to do this. You're calling me, not even so indirectly, to kill and to eat because I'm I'm hungry but I won't do it. Surely I would never do that. And God says, just eat the food and don't call me Shirley. I don't like it. I have wanted to use that joke for years and years. And finally, finally, yes, he liked it. I'm so glad. I literally laughed out loud in my office writing this sermon. I just got to tell you that little editorial note there. I did. I was laughing. aloud. Oh my God. That is funny. Don't call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Just do what I say. Just eat the food, Peter. And you and I look at Peter and we're saying, just do it. Don't be an idiot. Don't be dumb, Peter. God is saying, do this. Why are you saying no to him? And we're like, man, we're ready to pick up some rocks and just throw them at Peter for being so dull. But then we wait for a second and we say... Have I, ever, have I ever heard God say to do something and not done it? I, I have. I know I have. Because every time I open my Bible and I read it, God is telling me to do something. He's showing me how to live. And any time I read my Bible and I don't do what it says, I know that I am saying no to God, just like Peter says no to God, because I have all these walls that I've built up that keep me from doing what God wants me to do. Have you ever had those experiences where you hear a sermon and you know they're talking about what God says in the Bible and he says to do something, but you think, I won't do it, God. I know you're the creator of the universe. I know you're the sustainer of all life. I know I'm here only because you love me and you're keeping me alive. But you know what? I'm pretty sure I have a better way to live life on that issue. So thank you, but, but I'm good. Surely I would never do that. And what happens is we build up walls, and those walls keep us distant from God. They keep God at arm's length, and God says, I want to break through your walls. I want to speak to you. Those walls keep God's Holy Spirit from being able to nudge us and prompt us, because every time we say no to God, we are silencing Him. But God wants intimacy. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to me. He wants to guide our lives. He wants us to say, Yes, and so we look at Peter, and if we're honest, we see ourselves a little bit, and we say, God, help me not be like that. But Peter goes on with his objection. He says, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And in verse 15, uh, the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back up to heaven So in this vision, the sheet is lowered down. It's got all kinds of food on it. Some of the food was food that Jews were allowed to eat. Some of the food was food that the Jews were not allowed to eat. It's got clean and unclean things. And God says, take it and eat. And for us, we would be like, all right, I'm hungry. There's food. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to have some ribs. And I'm going to have a leg of lamb. I'm going to, you know, cook up some pork chops. And I'm going to really go to town. But for Peter, the idea of eating this food was revolting. It would have made him have a, a physical gag response because there were strict laws that God had set up in the Old Testament that said you can eat certain foods and you cannot eat other foods or it's a major sin against me. And if you try to eat a food that you should be able to eat, if it's touched another animal that you can't eat, you can't eat that food either. So if you mix these two groups together, you can't eat anything on the sheep. And so Peter's having this major internal re- response because of these food laws in the Old Testament that don't really make sense to us now unless we understand the context. See, in the context, hundreds of thousands of Jewish people were living together, and God gave them these laws largely for health reasons. He didn't want them to get sick. So he said, Eat these types of foods, they will keep you healthy. Don't eat these types of food, these foods will make you sick. And so it was health reasons that God had initially largely set these up. But over the course of time, what happened was that these food laws had became walls that separated the Jewish people from the rest of the world. These these food laws had become ways for us to figure out who was in and who was out. They became distinctive markers in identifying who was on the in crowd, who was in with God and who was out in terms of their relationship with God. Food was a way that the Jews separated themselves from non-Jewish people, elevated themselves. This had become such a serious thing that a few hundred years before this interaction in the book of Acts, a group of Jewish people known as the Maccabeans chose rather to die instead of eating the wrong types of food. They said, kill us, we'd rather die than eat the wrong kind of food. So Peter's having this internal struggle that we don't really get. But for a Jew, especially a first century person hearing the story, they would have been revolted. They would have thrown up in their mouth just a little bit by hearing this story. And so Peter argues two more times because if we know anything about Peter, he likes doing things in threes. That's his like his magic number. So he argues three times and the sheet is taken up. And in verse 17, uh, it says, while Peter was still wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent Cornelius. Uh, And they found out, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Now, a quick side note, this is going to get a little confusing here, because Peter, who's also called Simon, is staying at the house of another guy named Simon. So uh, just don't get confused. We're talking about Simon Peter here. Uh, And so so here's what happens. Uh, They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying at This other Simon's house. Verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them because I have sent them to you. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one that you are looking for. Why have you come? Verse 22, the men replied, We've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God fearing man, he's respected by all the Jewish people. And a holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. And Peter, God love him. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. But when he gets it, he really gets it. When he gets something, he goes full force. And that's what I love about Peter. He's not super smart, but when he gets it, he just runs with it. And in my mind, when I read this story, I picture Peter saying something to God like this. God... Uh, I used to use food to build up walls to keep other people out, to keep walls between me and my neighbor. But you tore down those walls because you just invited me to eat the other white meat. And I'm excited about that. And now you're telling me to go and visit this Roman centurion. And if there was anybody that I would have a wall put up against, it would be a Roman military soldier. We have different political views. He believes in big military. And in fact, my my military has been squashed under him. My people are being squashed under his military. He's ruling over me. He's not Jewish. And you know what, God? I am all for Jewish people having a savior, Jesus saving them. But I'm not so sure about this whole non-Jewish thing. But here's where the, the thing switches for Peter. I think that Peter's having this dialogue with God where he says, but I think you're trying to show me something here. Because you've opened the door for all foods to be clean. I can eat all foods now, and it's very exciting. Maybe you did that to show me that all people can be clean. All people can be saved. And see, this is what God's trying to show Peter here. He starts with food, which was a major wall, and once that wall's broken down, he says, Peter, look, all people can be clean too. Do not call anyone beyond my reach, because all people Can be clean. And so Peter goes with the men to Cornelius' house. This man who he would never associate with, this man who he would never have given the time of day to, this man who he thought was too far beyond God's reach, he marches to his house. And I have to ask the question who is your Cornelius today? Who's that person? or this group of people that you think God could not reach, could not love, could not care for? Or who's the person that you think would never, ever want anything to do with God? I'm going to list off a few people and groups so we can do an internal gut check. And I'm not going to have you raise your hands I'm not going to have you mark anything on your card. I just want you to do an internal gut check to see if walls go up when I say certain people. So when I say these people or these groups, does a wall go up? Do you think, you know what? God, if I'm honest, I don't believe that God would ever want anything to do with them, could ever reach them. Or I don't believe they would ever want anything to do with God. I think that they are fine on their own and they don't want to connect with God. So as I say these people, just do an internal gut check. Your boss... Do you think God could love your boss? Do you think your boss would ever want to love God? I know mine does, but my boss is the senior pastor. So, you know, how about your professor? How about your neighbor or your husband? Do you think your husband could ever want anything to do with God, or is he too far beyond God's reach? Or your wife or your kids? Are they at a stage in life right now where they seems like they're never going to want to know God? How about groups? How about Republicans? Republicans could never want to know God. How about Democrats? Democrats, they would never, they could never want to know God. How about Buddhists? How about people with same-sex attraction? Something go up in you right there, or you say. They would never want to know God, or God would never want to know them. How about Muslims, or Mormons, or black folks, or white folks, Middle Eastern folks? How about Asian folks? How about libertarians? You know, I mean, the list could go on and on, Latinos. Who's the person in your life that you think is outside of God's love? Too far. How about kids, teenagers who ride skateboards and have tongue rings and bleached hair? Do you think they're too far outside of God's love? Could it be that God wants to break down some walls in your heart this morning so that he can use you to influence a person that he's already connecting with, that he already loves? that he already is drawing to himself. Verse 25 says, As Peter entered the house of Cornelius, Cornelius met him and he fell down in reverence. But Peter made him stand up and he said, I am only a man myself. And he did that because God, over the course of Peter's life, has been humbling him. Peter thought he was better than most everybody else when he first came on the scene, but God has humbled him and he says, He says to Peter, Peter, you're not any different than Cornelius, but you know me. That's the big difference in your life. Not who you are, but whose you are. Not what you know, but who you know. And so what God is doing here is he's breaking down one of the major walls that keeps us from engaging with those around us, and it's the wall of superiority. When I was Eighteen, I went to work at a Christian camp for the summer, and I washed dishes. That was my big spiritual gift to the camp. I washed dishes, hundreds and thousands of dishes every week. And I loved it because at that camp, I got to rub shoulders with high school kids who uh, didn't yet know God the way that I knew God. And one week, there was a family camp there. And at the end of this family camp, an older gentleman comes up to me. And he, he says, can I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure, I'd love to talk to you. And uh, he said, I need to apologize to you. I'd never talked to this man in my life. I had no idea what he was apologizing for. I was ready to apologize to him because I'm sure I'd done something, you know. Um, he said, I need to apologize to you. When I saw you on Sunday when we first got here, I saw your tongue ring, I saw your crazy hair, And I thought, how could they let this kid work at this camp? I thought, this is exactly the kind of kid I don't want my kids interacting with. But through the course of the week, and I didn't know this, through the course of the week, his son and I had rubbed shoulders and his son had entered into a relationship with Jesus that was real and passionate through our interactions. And this guy said to me, I need to apologize because the moment I saw you, I had judgment against you. I had superiority over you. I was what a Christian looked like on the outside and you were not, but you were what a Christian was on the inside and I was not. And God broke down his wall of superiority so that God could use him. Superiority comes up in all kinds of ways because we might be sitting here thinking, I'm not, I don't feel superior to anybody. It could be ethical, you know, I can't engage with my neighbors because they do these things that I don't agree with. It could be financial. It could be political. And political is a big one in our city. Let's be honest. Whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian, you think you're the best, right? That's just how we like to do it in Petaluma. Let's just be honest about it. So we think I could never interact with a stinky, you know, you fill in the blank because they believe in a different governmental system than I do. Sometimes the wall's Uh, are based on our cars, or our kids, or our country of origin. We have superiority based on those things. And as long as we feel superior to other people, we will never give them the time of day, and God cannot use us to flavor them. And so God wants to break down that wall so he can build up our communities. And the story closes by Peter going into this man's house, Cornelius's house, and the author says, a huge crowd is gathered in the house, and they ask him, tell us about God. And Peter looks at them, and he says, here's the deal. You know that there is a God. You are spiritual, and you're right. There is a God. He came in the flesh. God became flesh in Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life, to show us what it means to have relationship with God the Father. And he was crucified on a cross, and you've heard the story, and actually Romans were part of the crucifixion process, but God raised him from the dead. And when he died on the cross, he took the penalty for your sin, because you know you've got sin, these things that separate you from God, that separate you from other people, that hurt you, that hurt others. He took the penalty for your sin on the cross and then he rose from the dead, breaking the power of sin forever. If you would just enter into a relationship with him and ask for his love and forgiveness and the whole house give their life to Jesus that day. This group of people that just hours before Peter would have thought could never know God all became Christians, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit filled them on that day. Verse 47, uh, Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of these people being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked Peter to stay for a few more days, and he did. And I love this story because two major conversions happen in this story. The first is in Peter's heart when God breaks down the walls that keep him separated from the world, that were are keeping him from flavoring his community. If you're here this morning and you've identified a wall, God nudged something, stirred something in you. As I was listing off people, I believe God wants to break that wall down so that we can influence our neighborhoods. I believe he wants to do it today. I believe he wants to do it in your life. And I'm going to tell you in just a minute how to make that happen so that you can impact your neighborhood, your coworkers, your professors, the other kids in your class. Today, God wants to break down that wall. Maybe it's prejudice, superiority, inferiority, fear of the unknown. You know, I, I don't like getting punched in the mouth. You know, maybe if you're honest, it's just indifference. You know, if you're totally honest, you say, you know what, my neighbors could go to hell for all I care. It really doesn't matter to me. I'd be sad if they died, but really... Eternity, their eternity doesn't matter to me. Maybe God wants to break through your indifference so that your heart breaks, just like his heart breaks. The second conversion is the conversion of Cornelius and his household. It's these people who did not know God, and now they do know God. And I believe there are some people in here this morning, and you've never come into a relationship with Jesus. And I mean a personal, passionate relationship with Jesus, where the Holy Spirit is guiding your life. And if that's you this morning, I just want to tell you one thing. God loves you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He created you. He knows you. The Bible says before you even speak a word, He knows what you're going to say. Before you even think a thought, He knows what you're going to think. He knows you that intimately. He knows all the hairs on your head. He knows you and He loves you because He made you. But here's the reality, and it's hard for us to swallow. We have sin that separates us from God. We've done things in our life that have hurt ourselves, hurt others, hurt God, and separate us from God. And it's not just the things we do, it's something in our heart that God wants to heal. And so Jesus lived, and He died on a cross to take the penalty for our sin. And then He rose again, breaking the power of sin in our lives. So, that we could come to him and he could heal our hearts and forgive our sins. And God wants to do that today if you would simply say yes to him and follow him. So, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for those two groups of people today. Maybe you've got a wall that God needs to break down. I'm gonna pray for the strength to do it. And then I'm gonna pray. Uh, And give you a chance silently where you're sitting or you can just whisper a prayer with me If you've never given your life to jesus you can do that today You can either say it in your head or you can whisper a prayer. Would you join me? I just want to pray for you. I want to pray with you today. Let's pray together Holy spirit I ask even right now even this moment as we are praying that you would be searching our hearts Your word says that the holy spirit your spirit Leads us to truth, which means that you expose lies So would you expose any walls that have crept in in our lives that are keeping people at arm's distance, that are keeping us from influencing those around us? Would you expose those walls? Would you bring them to our minds right now as I'm praying? If there's a wall that anyone has built up, would you help us to identify it? And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would tear it down that you would give us the courage and the strength to take the steps we need to take to tear it down, but that you would start the work of tearing it down now. And I ask God that you would forgive each of us for the walls that we have put up that are limiting you from doing the amazing work in our lives and through us in our communities. God, would you give us strength to be people who don't have walls, who live wide open, wide open available to you, wide open available to love, everyone we come in contact with so that they can taste the flavor of Jesus in their lives. And as we continue to pray, if you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, this is your time to say yes to him. As I was talking about the separation, I believe that you felt that, that you know that there's something that keeps you away from God, from experiencing all that God has for you. And if you've never come into a personal relationship with Jesus where you have given your life to him and said, God, I will follow you wherever you go and asked him to forgive you of your sins, I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. So if you sense the Holy Spirit is nudging you that God is just kind of doing something, working in your life, something is just resonating, maybe it's in your head, maybe it's in your heart, you can pray this simple prayer with me and you can pray it silently or you can whisper it right where you are but if you sense God calling you, pray this, you can just pray this prayer right now with me. You pray, Lord Jesus, I know that you died on a cross to bring forgiveness for my sins because you love me. So Lord, would you forgive me now? Would you come and would you live in me? Holy Spirit, would you guide me on this path? of life. God, would you show me what it means to follow you and give me the strength to do it every day because I want this and I want you. So would you come today, Jesus, into my life, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So what do we do with this? You know, we want to, we want to get practical. Let's get practical. Some of you are saying, okay, walls. Yeah, I get it. I want to get practical. What do I do? And I want to give you some ways to apply to get practical this morning. The first one is, uh, is this. Uh, you can respond to today's message by saying, I- I've identified a wall in my life and I want to tear it down. And I won't ask you what that wall is, but if you've made that commitment, pull out that connect card If you know, if you identified a wall and you want to tear it down, pull out that connect card and where it says apply today's teachings by, mark down I've identified a wall so that we can be praying for you, that God will give you the strength to tear it down. And here's your part in that. Our part is to pray for you. Here's your part. Identify the wall. Ask God for forgiveness for putting it up. Ask him for the strength to tear it down. And then here's how you can tear down the wall this week. And it's simple, but It's not easy. Find that person or that group of people that terrify you that you've put the wall against and rub shoulders with them and love them and connect with them and pray for them. And as you do that, God will tear down the wall in your life. As you get in a regular rhythm of interacting with the people that you think are beyond God's reach, you will see God reach them. But you have to actually do something to make that happen. So we'll be praying for you you take some steps. You take action and do it. Uh, the second thing is, uh, if you've never been baptized, I loved what happens at the end of that. The people say, you know what? Uh, we have God's Spirit living in us now. And Peter says, what would stop them from being baptized? Because the Bible says the next thing you should do after coming into a relationship with Jesus is get baptized. So if you have given your life to God and you've never been baptized, what is stopping you? Nothing is stopping you. I want to encourage you to Get baptized. On Palm Sunday, we're going to have a special baptism service. It's going to be incredible. Uh, Mark down. Nothing is stopping me from getting baptized at our next baptism service. And we'll be contacting you because we want to baptize you. We want to celebrate with you that decision that you make. And we'll give you more information about that. But if you want that, you can mark that on your connect card. And then if uh, you made a first-time decision to give your life to Jesus, I am so excited for you. That is fantastic. And I want to walk with you on this journey. So mark that down so I can connect with you, so we can get you some resources, so we can help you out as you connect with God.